0: Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Shavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side so we're tilted at two degrees but also i'm going to catch up with industry professionals who i'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do so welcome to the two degrees podcast brought to you by the play on foundation for neurological research and brain aneurysm detection and prevention To learn more about the Play On Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram. For more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story, Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Play On Foundation. It's Javi, and today my guest is a very dear friend of mine, or I hope I get to call him a dear friend of mine, and this hasn't just been a rude to get on this podcast, but um met him in Vancouver and we connected over the fact that not only are we two actors but we're also not from the city which was really interesting to, to discover that the people I got along with surprisingly in Vancouver were not from Vancouver and it just turned out to be a great relationship since then and so my guest today everybody Pernit Akilah. How you doing buddy?
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Yes. I think I think we're dear friends. I think um, I think I also get to have the same experience. I think it's such a lonely city, or it can be at least for a lot of people. And I find that uh, <clears throat> it's not just you or me. It's like I think everybody that I know there like <laughs> is from a different city. Yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're all transplants, and um,
0: well, I don't and know that's I how think we it's, all kind of bond. It's also it's also because like I think the the city itself lends to just. Especially within the arts, I don't I don't really know anybody in any other industry other than the arts. So the people that I meet yeah. are typically the ones that are are the hardworking um, immigrants of Vancouver, if you
1: will. <laughs>
0: the people that have to start from scratch,
1: you know, so yeah. go all their way up.
0: So it's yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's what makes it different. Where it's like having to had crawl was, I think, the, the, the foundation, I could say for myself, was definitely having to crawl, was definitely something that um, helped instill the work ethic that I think that I've, I've cultivated over the <coughs> many years. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting city when it comes to that. I think L.A. is also the same way as well, where even though there's a whole bunch of actors there, you meet a lot of actors that aren't from there. They're just... A different chemistry when it comes to that interaction.
1: It's interesting. I'm going to go there finally, like this year, COVID
0: willing. So uh,
1: it'll be yeah. interesting to see that, I think. Um, you know, living there for how many ever months or so. And so I'm excited to see what happens. I'm also kind of dreading it in a, in a weird way because I, I feel like it's the same experience. Like, just, you know, it's just like the older I get, I find like just pressing the restart button restart button on a new place yeah. it's yeah. always like uh, you know uh it takes out a lot out of me because I'm one of those I'm I'm like an extrovert but at the same time like I, I, I need to recharge my battery every uh, like mm. I need to think a month to like recharge my battery before I go out into the world again and so yeah. I feel like LA is gonna yeah. be like a, like another thing and just like, like going out and trying to meet people and just like you know building a, a community and oh
0: yeah
1: so I'm trying to do as much sort of legwork I think part of why uh Part of why I enjoy, like you know, um, you know, talking to you and hanging out with you and stuff like that too, is because, and a big part of this is is, is also your, like you're an art, you're an artist of color as well. Like like I think I think that's also important to me in the sense that like I think, just that sense of community and just like knowing people that are also <laughs> pursuing this art form, that are you know, technically you know, I'm not gonna use the word marginalized because I think we you know came from pretty. I would say, like, I don't know, like, like we're lucky to be living in Canada and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think, you know, coming up in this industry, there's not many of us really. So it's like, right. so I think, I think finding that sense of community always, uh, I found uh, helpful to me. So,
0: well, I also see myself as your very half Indian brother. So I think that's also <laughs> important for <laughs> <it's dynamic. laughs> But, um, so you said you're you're back in Winnipeg. Are you? I thought you guys wrapped on, um, what was it, SkyMed?
1: So no, we, we didn't, no, uh, yeah, SkyMed. So uh, we did not wrap, no. We uh, <clears throat> still have like another week and a half left. Um, hmm. I think uh, as with any sort of new show, I think the first episode and the first sort of month is always like a bit of a, it takes some time to, to sort of take off and, and get into flow state where everybody, where all the departments are working in sync and. So we got a little behind in the first block and so part of this these next two weeks is going to be shooting some pickups and then um, nice. Finishing off the season finale as well. So it's gonna be a bit of
0: both Ooh, fun, fun, fun. And this is Paramount yeah. Plus right? Nice. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a Paramount Sweet, Plus man, show. That, that's, that's exciting. Thanks, man.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my first uh, series lead role, so um first of many, I hope, but yeah, uh, this is my first ever one thing that I've been sort of working towards for a, a long time now. And, um, and so it feels good to sort of do that on this type of show, I, I think, yeah. So it's a Paramount Plus show. Um, CBC is going to be, it basically has the rights to broadcast in Canada. Um, and uh, it's very much like a network procedural, you know, one of your like Graves Anatomies, uh, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, you know, PD all the Chicago stuff um, you know like it, it's one of those shows except what I found what I loved really about it was um, <clears throat> it spent a lot more time on, on the main characters on their journeys um, because it does take place mm-hmm. in a remote uh, area of Canada and it's about um, people that work in the, the emergency rescue field you know the pilots and the nurses that work, work like in remote northern Canada that have to like go rescue people that like you know, have like an ATV accident in the middle of nowhere and they can't get to a hospital, Mm. you know, without us. And so it's about loneliness. It's about isolation. It's about why each of the sort of the main secret characters like went, you know, decided to leave their whole life behind and pursue this job and pursue this, this sort of way of life. Um, And so, yeah, I I think, I think that's why I'm, Loving every day, sort of being on set, and just getting to, you know, be the character.
0: So yeah, it's great. Nice. Is there any aspect of the show that you relate to in regards to your character?
1: <clears throat> well, I think in many ways it's the, it's that it's that the journey, right? Like the journey can be lonely. You know, like my, my character, he's he's a guy that leaves the big hmm. city, leaves his marriage behind, leaves, um, you know, his, his parents wanted to be something else, that you know, and instead he went to kind of do this this sort of remote pilot job instead. Um, I, I think in, in many ways, I left that traditional sort of life behind, um, you know, mm. and God, like, you know, just being back home for Christmas holidays, like every single day was just like, so you're getting married next year, right? Like when are you getting married? When are you getting married? We have grandchildren, your parents, literally my grandparents were guilting me that they were gonna die next year. And so they were never gonna see my, see me getting married off. Like, <clears throat> so it was just a reminder that like, right, straight off like the beaten path like very, um, very quickly. Um, and, uh, and then once you're on that journey, it's like, it's, it, it's a lonely one because you know, you have so much self doubt, you and have that guilt. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still brown, I'm still, <laughs> I still have my, you know, engineering doctor guilt, you know, that I that I get where I wake up in the middle of that I'm just like, Oh my God, I made a horrible mistake. Like, what have I chosen? What have I done? You know, <clears throat> but that comes because I was sort of raised that way. And that's sort of that trauma that trauma response that I have. And so I think the character that I play on the show, he very much has those moments of regret and has those moments of self-doubt. Um hmm. and his journey is to discover that like, you know, like what he chose you know, is, is probably right for him. And I think that's the sort of self discovery that he's going through that, that I'm that I'm also going through in my life as well. Yeah. What was that like?
0: That's let's let's have a I'm little, uh, li- yeah. little therapy, therapy session. Therapy yeah. session, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when did you want to give up engineering? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, did I, I, I mean, I got my engineering degree and I worked as an engineer for a year, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I guess, yeah, when did I give up engineering? I gave up engineering around uh, 2018, like the beginning of 2018 when i fully like actually like had the courage to quit my job fully uh, up until that point i was sort of um secretly like i would leave meetings like work meetings and i would like rehearse my audition monologues or whatever in the stairwell <laughs> like you know and um mm-hmm. and i would like go shoot like like my friend was doing a short film or whatever and i was playing a, a part in short film so i would sneak out with, with him and we would like shoot scenes like in the middle of the day and i i had like work mm-hmm. and um my boss had to literally where did where did the bug like, come from then did you do it as like a minor I, it, it was always that? there man it was always there sorry hmm.
0: did you do it as a minor the, or did you like take drama in high school no no, play no. Play i i
1: grew up i grew up i grew up with it like it, it was it was i always from day one I, I knew i wanted to um be in this business like, I, I didn't know how, See, I didn't sort one, of know and like understand. Day one is, is when you were...
0: Day one TV is, like, TV.
1: literally as a kid, like, I'm watching, like, from, like, the days that I was watching Disney movies, like, watching Aladdin on VHS, like, 17 times, watching Lion King, uh, watching Bollywood movies, because my, my parents would go to the theater, and they would watch Bollywood movies in the theater, and I'd follow them, and i watched with them, and just, like, watching the hero get the girl, and, like, the action sequences, and, like, all the songs, and... And then seeing how people around me <clears throat> reacted, and I got the sick satisfaction within me of like, look at the power those people on screen have. Like that that guy on screen made this made this dude cry. Like, you know, and he's like probably some lung doctor or something like that. He doesn't cry in his entire life, like <laughs> saving people, but he cries because this dude got this girl, you know? Like hmm. there was something about the sick satisfaction of that yes the power that i have that i could have if i did this you know so, something about that mm. and, and and also you know just from perspective of like you know it's it like it made me emotional you know like i would i would watch like aladdin and i would like i couldn't stop thinking about it for like a week you know and and so if you
0: want to break out into any of those songs life, <laughs> stop you
1: <laughs> well <clears throat> as you can tell i'm coughing a little bit so so
0: <clears throat>
1: I, I didn't know you should have given me like at least an hour more, uh,
0: advanced notice. A little lead time. Well, this interview is going to be about an hour, so uh, by the end of it, whenever, whenever you're ready, like just feel free.
1: You know, it's, like, it's um, I only, I only do a paid work now, uh, here. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, I only do paid work. Yeah. I don't <laughs> gotcha. play these uh, these for free anymore. I used to.
0: I really this, do. don't worry. This this interview is actually equity, so mm. this mm-hmm. goes towards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. So you're saying there's back end involved in uh in in this
0: oh of course yeah. okay okay yeah, of course just because since the whole industry is kind of shut down this is this is how people get their credits this, this is podcasts. okay well
1: you should have told me that initially i would have started off i would have opened this thing
0: uh, open with a number yeah yeah so the what was that conversation world. like growing up with your parents <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you need to, you need to hold up your, your title card next time you do that. <laughs> <just>, uh, <yeah. laughs> hmm. But yeah, with that, what was that conversation growing up with, with your parents? When did like, when did this conversation become serious for you? Well, uh, I, I,
1: I think, um, uh, <clears throat> it, it never became a serious thing until I would say like, until I, I graduated like school, you know? Um, until I got my engineering degree because uh, up until that point, you know, my parents were like, they were not like so strict to the point where they stopped me from doing things. as hobbies, well, Right. So they were like, great, like go do your school musical, go do your school play, go shoot for friends with your friends, whatever, whatever keeps you happy. But like when you're going to university, you're not doing drama school, like you're not wasting mm-hmm. your money or your time doing something that A, we don't even know what that is. Be like, what, what do you, what does that mean? Like, what are you, you you're just going to do it? Like, and you get paid money to do it? Like, no, mm. like, that's stupid. And, um, and so, like, I, as I said, because I had the bug, I kind of put in my 10,000 hours, like, all the way from, like, you know, elementary school till the end of university, because I would always do stage musicals and stage plays and stuff uh, and short films constantly, like, on the side as a hobby. You know, <clears throat> so that's how I sort of learned, um, and and so by the time I made like I made the t- decision to sort of go and uh, get my degree or whatever, I also honestly it wasn't much of an argument because I didn't believe in myself at the time. You know, I I was looking at myself. I said I'm too whitewashed for Bollywood. I said I don't have the the skill set to get heights uh, in Bollywood. Like I, I can't even speak Hindi like that fluently. Like I can speak it, but not like 70 million brown dudes that are in Mumbai right now audition for one role. Uh, so Bollywood was out of the option realistically at that point. Then I was just like, what am I gonna do on American television or American movies? Like I, I'm never gonna get to that point. So, you know, there was a lot of self doubt then too, right? Where like I, I didn't believe in myself either. Like so I didn't even put out much of a fight. I just thought to myself, all right, you're right. It's a dumb hobby. I'll just do it on the side. I'll just like do an, like do like an acapella mm-hmm. group in university or something. I'll do like the university play. And then because I have good grades in math and science, I'll just. I guess I'll just be an engineer and I'll just keep doing this as a hobby. You know? Um, but um, <clears throat> the, I will say, though, um, actually, whatever, you go, ask your question because maybe we'll get there organically. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, just in regards to like with it not being now, not taking it seriously. So then, yeah, now it's on you. So when did you say, oh, Okay, and maybe I can put engineering aside because this seems to be familiar. So it was.
1: So that was, I would say, a gradual process. I don't think there was like a single sort of, uh, like a day that kind of happened, that shift happened. I would say I graduated university. I had to move back home with my parents. And um, it was a sort of like a three-year process where I was kind of fake applying for engineering jobs because my heart wasn't in it and uh, working at Best Buy part-time to make ends and to sort of pay bills um, uh, while I was applying for engineering jobs. And at the point, at that point there was an economic downturn. So, there, so people in sort of any sort of engineering company really uh, were pretty much getting laid off at the time in Alberta. That's where I was. I was in Calgary with my hmm. parents. And um, so my parents just thought, you know, he's being such a good Indian boy. He's applying for his engineering jobs. He's going to go down that path. And at the same time, I was, uh, that, that hobby hadn't left me, right? So I was secretly doing like community theater, like volunteer-based theater um, stuff like that. And and um, it, when
0: you it say came secretly, secretly do point, you mean literally or figuratively? What? Uh, community. When you say that you were secretly doing theater,
1: was that, <laughs> was that um, like I wouldn't or advertise or it. Like, I would, I would like, you know, like I would basically, mm. I would finish work at five, and then I'd be like, oh, like I have, like I'm just doing some, I'm like helping somebody with with uh, something. Or <laughs> and my parents were like, "Whatever, he's like an adult; he can do whatever he wants." <clears throat> but the, but I was embarrassed because I was doing like community theater, you know. Um, but I, yeah. I don't know why. In hindsight, I don't know why I was embarrassed by it because it's like it's a hobby for a lot of people that like don't want to take this profession; they don't want to do this professionally, you know. And that's perfectly fine, um, you know. And so yeah. I uh, like I was sort of auditioning for community theaters and stuff like that, and um, it was unpaid. And uh, while I was sort of doing Best Buy. And then I eventually got an engineering job. And while I was doing community theater, like doing all three and not giving 100% to any of those made me fail at my job at Best Buy, made me a, a terrible actor on my community theater stage, and at the same time made me a terrible uh, employee at my engineering job as well. Like, I just realized that, like, like, I was not, like, there was no, there was, I was in too many, I was, I was like in a canoe that was not going in any direction. I was just literally just like going.
0: You know, like I wasn't going anywhere. So and... for the Americans listening to this, a canoe is a boat that goes on a lake. <laughs> Just in case. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was, yeah. I was on a boat.
1: Americans, that's what I was. Yeah. And um, and then what ended up happening was uh, I discovered through some people in the community theater space that there were things called professional theaters in Canada where you mm. could like audition for things like online and they paid you money and yeah. people were rehearsed from like nine to five. And so I was just like, wait, you rehearse for a show from nine to five, Monday to Friday. That sounds like a full-time job. They're like, yeah, it is. And they're like, what? And so I literally yeah. like Googled, like all the professional theater companies in Alberta, like every place, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, all over the, and, uh, then I did like with any other job, I like wrote like my cover letter, even though I had no professional acting experience, I wrote whatever experience I did. have, And I had my, my how to make acting resume or whatever, like I just Googled it. And then like, I did my acting <laughs> resume and then, Oh shit, you need a headshot. I only had like passport photos and like stupid photos on Facebook. Like, God damn it. And so like I got my friend to like, take a picture of me in front of my driveway. Like, I didn't even know the background, like nothing. Like I was like, just, nice. here's the phone. Just take a picture of me in front of the driveway. And so that was my headshot, my first headshot, you know? And so I just I just did like an email blast and I submitted it everywhere.
0: And um, at the was time- Was that also the same headshot that got you Nancy Drew or? <laughs>
1: <clears throat> you know, the thing with me is uh, is, is, I don't, um, you know, I still use the same headshot for everything, really, I, I still do. Um, they just kind of, they, they look through, and they're just like, this guy, he just has something in his eye, just, you know, they're, they're attracted to that, you know? So I don't need to spend any money.
0: You're attracted to, to the background stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we admire his commitment to not doing this properly. at all. Uh, there's something There's something really courageous about it. it like, um, it was so bad too. It was like a really bad. It was like the garage was like the paint was like peeling off. Like it was really bad.
0: Um, so then don't worry. Like I'll I'll help you feel a little better with that. Where I had one headshot where I was. I was at a I was at a friend's wedding.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I'm in a tuxedo. <laughs> and we tried to get creative and artistic. So we went behind the reception hall where there were dumpsters because it's like, "Oh, tuxedo. What contrasts that better than dumpsters?" So that was my headshot for a, a minute where your first
1: year like wearing a tuxedo.
0: Yeah, a rented tuxedo. <throat> with oh blurry garbage cans. Yeah. Here we are. Where
1: Where is this? Where can I see this photo?
0: That's my photo. <laughs> I need to. I'll I'll see if I can do a little deep dive and give a little throwback Thursday mm-hmm. Instagram love one day.
1: <laughs> oh my god! You need to You need to surface that, and you need to, and you need to fly. You need to like use that and submit for the for like you need to go. That's through gonna be the
0: new match one. Match that's gonna be the yeah. new thing. All right, <clears throat> <It's> done.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean that's. I mean it's interesting. Like the thing that we do, you know, because there's something really. Um there's something really kind of I don't know, like about like the naivete of it all and like just the courage that comes mm-hmm. with that. You know, where you're not overthinking anything yeah. and, and I wish I still could have some of that, you know. But um but yeah, like I did the email blast and then um at the time the transition was happening, this was like around twenty seventeen. So at the time, like
0: <clears throat>
1: they were looking for people of color on stage, <laughs> like you know, they were, they were looking for, um, yeah. I think the transition sort of happened earlier in Canadian theatre, I would say, and so uh, I got a lot of audition calls, like general auditions, not like role-specific auditions, and I had no idea like what to do in an audition at all. Like, I just kind of, like, sort of was winging it, and I would go to these wow. auditions, and um, they said somewhere that I had to have, like, two monologues in my back pocket at all times, so I just, like, memorized a Shakespeare one, like a classical Shakespeare one, and I memorized like a regular contemporary one that I just found on Reddit, you know, that I just like asked people for advice on Reddit. And, um, and then I got cast, like eventually. What did yeah, you ask? ask?
0: I'm curious what you asked now. Cause like I, I used to see a whole bunch of different postings on like Facebook where people are asking for monologues and then I'd read the comments where sometimes they'd be super specific. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a straight white male and I need this. And it's like. And then you see the suggestions that come underneath it. And then you, this was back when I was <coughs> very vocal with it. So then I'd, I'd type on it, oh, why can't you do a, a gay monologue? Or I think you should learn a woman's monologue. But then it's just interesting seeing all the different things that people are asking for. What did you ask for when you're like, I need help Reddit? I
1: need help Reddit. What did I say? Uh... That's, it is so interesting though. That's true because literally, you say if you say like what you look like and stuff, like the, the bias is so different. Like people literally just recommend a bunch of things that you you know though, like, you would normally recommend recommended. I didn't specify what I look like or what anything like that. I just said like, hey, I'm a beginnerish actor that uh, is having his first audition tomorrow or whatever. I need I need like two contrasting monologues. One needs to be like classical or whatever, and um, <clears throat> I got, like, a bunch of responses. I got, like, all the cliched Shakespeare ones, like, the overdone ones. <clears throat> I got um, some contemporary, like, David Mavitt ones. Um, and, of course, and at the time, I didn't know any better. Like, I <clears throat> I love theater, but, like, I didn't delve into it so deeply where, like, I knew all the different playwrights. Uh-oh. Am I frozen?
0: Oh, you're back.
1: Okay, I'm back. Okay. So you were saying, so you didn't know all the different playwrights? I didn't know all the different playwrights. I didn't know, like... You know, country, like the styles of each piece or anything like that. I was just not educated enough at that point. And so I just sort of picked like what what spoke to me instinctually. And so I did like um, the uh, monologue from King Lear, Edmund's Down uh, Nature, Art My Goddess monologue. Uh, and because I was auditioning for a company called the Shakespeare Company. And they, so they do like two hour Shakespeare plays. And it's like blockbuster Shakespeare. So like they trim all the fat and it's like two hours, you're in and out you know, that that kind of theater company and and so I got cast. Um the the, the, the artistic director of the theater company was just like, Where did you come from? And I was just like, Oh, I've just, you know, I've been here kinda of doing things and I'm an engineer and like I'm you know, I'm transitioning into this. He's like, Well, will you be available? Because like will you rehearse? And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I should be fine. Like I, I finished work at five. And he's like, No dude, like we're like this is paid. Like you have to be here like at ten AM every day. I was like, okay, well, how much am I getting paid? And they were like, well, it's $600 a week. And even at that point to me, $600 a week to act is insane. Like I, yeah. for, for cause I genuinely thought you don't, you can, get, you can get paid. And so I was like, this is incredible. I can quit my job. I can, Everything's great. Like, it's like, you know, for $600 a week is what I, I thought, great. This is my excuse. And of course I had the conversation with my parents and I'm just like, so this happened. And now I can't do best buy. I can't do my engineering job. I can't do anything else. I have to only do this and I can't take like time off work. And of course that led to a pretty significant argument, you know, like it was like two or three weeks of arguing, like, you know, my mom's breaking down and just being like, I failed as a mother and like, I don't know what I've done with, you know, I should have raised you to be better. And like, it's, it's always a high stakes drama with Indian mothers. It's like, it's like literally there's no like in between. It's always just like, <laughs> I failed, I failed in all my aspects. That's so- you know, it became a full Indian soap opera in my house for like a good week. Um, but my dad was a little more understanding because he was just like, you know what? Like you did the thing, right? There's a value in finishing a degree. There's a value in working, even if it doesn't work out, even if you hate it, there's a value in at least trying it and seeing what worked and what didn't and then so he was more understanding and being like all right well if you're going to do this then um do it like wholeheartedly you know don't like fuck around like you did at best buy and like your job and your thing and like you know just like do it And i was just like in the back of my head i was like of course like i will because i love this you know um and uh and then the profound moment happened which was once i got into rehearsal a lot of the people in the cast were people that i had done musical theater with in high school, who, when they graduated high school, they pursued this art form professionally, you know? So they all went to drama school and stuff like that. They graduated, they'd come back to the city to do work as theater artists. And I'm um, gonna
0: say all the people in my cast, I sold them computers the previous week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did give them my engineering business card. And I said, hey, if you ever need any help with steam assisted gravity drainage, let me know because I'm your guy uh you're the guy <laughs> i'm the guy well no that's so it's so true because literally like people were like because <clears throat> i was playing like murder i was like playing murderer number one like it wasn't even like a big role like i was playing like a one of those like ensemble characters but uh and i would keep joking around i'd be like i'd be like well i have tons of time off stage so if you guys want to do your taxes or whatever let me know like cool. i'll just like do them for you <laughs> like <laughs> you know um but what was interesting is, like, um, they all, to a man, came up to me and said, oh, um, what drama school did you go to? And I was just like, I, I didn't. I-, I did engineering. Oh, what drama school did you go to? I-, I didn't. I did engineering. Oh, I swear you. I swear you went to the National Theater School. I was like, no, no, I didn't. They're like, but you were, like, the musical theater kid in high school. They're like, oh, no, but I, I didn't. And he was like... It was, like, wave upon wave, like, crashing upon me because I realized up until that point, like, holy shit, dude. Like, you lost your own identity. Like, people around you know, knew who you were more than you knew yourself. You know? Um, you know, they all, they all thought I was literally being an actor and that I just, like, came and joined them for, like, a show in Calgary. And I was just like, no, well, I'm living a whole other life. And they were like, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, good to have you back. And I think that, like... <laughs> That, like, fully, like, I mean, that was the moment, you know, like, the, where the light bulb went off, and I was just like, well, you lost your way for a good three and a half years. You were on full autopilot mode, and it scared wow. me, because I was just like, dude, if I, for some reason, didn't find the opportunity to Google about theaters, um, like, I would be on a completely different path still. And so I think the people coming up to me and talking to me and, and making me feel like, okay, you know what? This is pretty neat and, and we actually know who you are and and i think it's time you also discovered like it's time I it's time you went back
0: you were from high school
1: from high school cuz i was that kid i was a musical theater geek like i was like literally in every single musical i was like the theater kid i was like the quintessential theater kid like yeah. you know and i and somewhere along the way i lost my self confidence to like pursue it professionally
0: the thing <clears> that i i also need to like highlight here is then by that standard like you're you're just you're just a walking talent man because you never had any real professional conservatory training
1: yeah I where, didn't
0: like, wow I, I'd I never had any conservatory just, training that, that needs a moment because it's like you did Shakespeare you nailed <clears> Shakespeare <throat> without any training that's if you're not meant to be but that, that's insane.
1: I, you know what, here's the thing too, is um, it, the, that conservatory training is still something I'm still, to this day, I'm still seeking. Like I'm still, I still crave it a little bit at times because I don't know, sometimes I still have that imposter syndrome where I feel like I, I want it. I feel I feel like I want to do it. But I, I will say that I still always do classes. Like I'm always training on the side because as soon as I did started doing this professionally, I was like, I, I recognize that there is value in training. And so I said to myself, like, sure, I don't necessarily have the time to get, like, a four-year degree in this, uh, nor the money to, like, pay for tuition and stuff. But what I will do and what I vowed to myself is, like, is I'm going to be training this as a muscle, you know. So whether it's taking classes on the side, whether it's learning from uh, directors, you know, like, I'm always going to be, like, a lifelong student of this because I have to catch up. You know? um, and so the good thing about starting off, like, my, my first four professional gigs were all Shakespeare. So my first full theater, professionally paid gigs were all Shakespeare, which meant that I was learning from the actors in that space that had done Shakespeare for years. I was learning from directors that were like, that used to be like elite, like company members at Stratford, which is like the Shakespeare mecca of of, of Canadian theater. Um, And they'd moved back to Calgary to start their own companies. So these were the people that I was under the tutelage of, you know, I can't believe I said that tutelage thing. Uh, that that I was that, that I was learning, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know. A so word. Shakespeare, doing tutelage. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, simply put, I was learning on the job, really, you know. Like I was, and I got better. And I was like, my first Shakespeare play, I'm sure, sucked. Like I'm sure I was not great. And as I kept going, and I kept getting more meteor meteor roles, like um, the the more easier it became. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say I put in ten thousand hours, like as a kid, going uh, leading up to that point, and then everything else kind of came from natural instinct and failing and, and learning on the job.
0: Well, they they do say like the best
1: experience and the best learning will come from sets. So, yeah,
0: you're right. And you're but,
1: but you but you also didn't really have conservatory training like you went from not conservatory else entirely
0: I've been to... rejected from conservatory so us <laughs> let's go there so it's not like I didn't try but right. um, no I was, I was kind of in the same boat but I I dedicated time into studying first Right. Like, I didn't I didn't take the musical theater route I didn't um, do it in not do drama in high school I didn't looking for stuff off of like Mandy and Craigslist and all that until I started taking classes. So it's like, I went the learning route first. I started going to studios first and then I started from ground up. And I still took that picture by a dumpster (laughs) because I thought (laughs) that's what you have to do.
1: The Toronto acting studios have really different advice, I would say, than the Vancouver ones. So.
0: I'm still I'm still blown away at the fact that like I literally needed to get sat down and taught how to break down a Shakespeare verse. Mm-hmm. And you just you telling me the story of you just Learn the Shakespeare
1: monologue, and they loved you. I'm like, well, I'll t- like the thing is, it's also it's trial by far, Like the things that you can do on adrenaline, you know, like like the things that you can do when you don't have a choice to be like to overthink it, you know. Uh, by no means, I I don't think by any means I was it was fully refined, you know. But I think what they did see, if anything, was like some sort of energy that I might have given off, or or I innately what I did i will say with shakespeare that came easily easily to me easier to me was just innately understanding like he took like two or three tries i'm not gonna tell the first try i got it but like two or three tries later like i could get a general sense of like what the hell the character wants right and sure i might not have known like every single word the specificity of each meaning and like the the dynamic pentameter of it all but but what helps in shakespeare is if the actor knows. What the character wants like what the hell like what is, what is the point of the monologue like why why is he even standing there and what's compelling him i guess that's the thing it's about honing in on what's compelling him to say all this. because there's there's a version where he keeps it all inside which is what most of us do we don't stand and then monologue like our monologues are all internal you know so 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 what is causing the character to stay there and and say this out loud and i think that's what sort of helped me is just like i was able to sort of tap into like why is he saying this? Like why is Edmund saying this? Right. He's saying this because he's pissed off that he's always been second to Edgar. You know, he's always been second. And now he's illustrating, he's making a point that listen, you're a bastard child. Or no, he's he's saying, like, I'm I'm a bastard child. Yes, sure. I'm always looked at as a second class citizen. But I was I was born out of passion, motherfucker. You were born out of like wedlock. You were just born yeah. out of like two people just like being like average that I was born out of two people I was, yeah, exactly. Right. And so like just those little clues in the text where I was just like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Right. And so, but that, that came with more experience that became easier. And then, and then once you're in the, once you're in the arena with like these Shakespeare Titans, they were very generous with their time because, you know, they, they saw this kid who was like failing and doing it. And so like they would come and help and they would say, oh, maybe this one drone dropped on this line or you know, remember to circle these words. Remember these are the stressed and unstressed syllables. You know, it's it's like I'm just lucky in that because, you know, Shauna McKenna Shauna McKenna is the Meryl Streep of Canadian theatre. And she's like Shakespeare royalty, right? She's like she is the you look at Shauna McKenna's career, she is like literally she's done all the great Shakespeare works, like she's won tons and tons of awards doing them. She is Canadian Theatre Royalty and when she eventually passes away. She will go down in one of the greats of Canadian Theatre. She was my director on my second Shakespeare show. You know, and not only that, like uh, a couple of years later, I was like, I was playing her love interest on stage, like for a different play. And so I got to work with this legend uh, like three times, you know, before I ever did film and TV, really. And so learning like my having my teacher be like that that, that person made things easier because there was a bullshitting with her you know she because she was so good at what she did she was just like wrong wrong start again no nope, start again nope no nope, start again okay you're gonna do the monologue I'm gonna keep doing this when when you have to change your thought I'm just gonna keep doing that okay I'll I'll do this and then you have to change your thought so I would do my thing and then she'd do this and I have to change my thought and then she'd do this and um for her, I was just being too precious with, like I was taking way too long, and and Shakespeare is best understood at a certain pace. At least that's what she told me, and so she would practice pace with me, you know, <clears throat> and, and and so those little tricks and stuff, like like I was I was just lucky, like I lucked out having the right people. Um...
0: And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram at playon2013, and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit. Illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. Do you have any Around other gems that preferred. have stayed with you?
1: um well it's it's interesting right like it's so different than i mean hmm <clears throat> thinking on the thought is something that uh like I, I think you know let's go on the topic of pace you know for for theater um what i used to think is like you know you told you say something to me and in life you know i, I take some i take like a, a few seconds to process it and then i figure out how I feel about it and then i spit it back out When you're doing something like that in theater, because it's such a vast space and you're trying to hit the 700th person in the back row, that processing time that you think is quick is an eternity for an audience. And they just get bored out of their mind. And now imagine a play where every person is taking their sweet ass time to respond back, you know, dialogue wise. <clears throat> and she taught me the craft of writing, right? She taught me that, you know, when Aaron Sorkin writes a, a play, like, he's writing it to be this. That's the pace. That's the tone, you know? And so, and then I would ask, like, but, like, we don't do that in life. Like, we don't have rehearsed, like, responses back to our, you know, the people that we talk to in life. Like, the way I'm also trying to think of what, next, what to say next, like, is what I would do. But, you know, she said, like, listen, like, but but for the audience, like, they're not seeing it that way they are literally seeing you taking your sweet ass time in between dialogue and so she said you know as i'm saying something you're reacting to the second last word <clears throat> so by the time i finish you you come in you know and and something like that helps on a network procedural like Skynet. maybe not necessarily like a breaking bad type show maybe not necessarily like a like a like the show made that you were on you know not like that type of show where it's a bit more lived in reality so, so you you have the time to like take that time to process and stuff like that and, and it gives you space to breathe a bit more but that advice from theater really helps on a show like this because what I had struggled with on this show was pace again because I would I just I would keep thinking that I'm in breaking bad so I would like I would just like I would really like be in my feelings I would like really like whatever choices that I would make. made like i would just make it about myself and the character and stuff and like what would the character do and stuff and but that theater advice from Shana McKenna made me realize, like, oh, wait, each thing is tonal, like, it's, it's, it's each piece is to- different tonally. And so the showrunner, showrunner's note, after every take, was just, like, pace, please, pace. Like, the audience is already bored, but we're dead. Like, I, we, need, we need to edit. Like, we have to get this down to 41 minutes. Like, you need to get, you need yeah. to respond back. Like, you know. And here I am being, like, but, like. But like he wouldn't respond back so quickly. Like he doesn't have any confidence in his phone. Like, he doesn't know how to talk to girls. So like how would he respond back so quickly? It doesn't make any sense. You know, i like I'd argue back and it would be like, nope. Like it reads, believe me. So then it was like, okay, I almost have to, not pre-plan, but like I almost have to kind of know what I'm sort of doing think on a little bit. Not, uh, you got to think on sorry? the thought. <clears throat> you got to think thought, on, on know? the thought.
0: You got to think on the thought.
1: And I don't know about you, but I still struggle with that note because it's like – that leads to anticipation for me, and I don't, like, anticipating, you know?
0: Yeah. In a sense. I I confronted that when I was doing take two, um, and that was my first procedural, and mm-hmm. that was the thing where it's like, it's not so much of you're anticipating, but then it's trusting that this character has, like, already had all of this stuff going on in his head and it's it's just knowing that you're going into this conversation expecting the conversation so then you kind of again like i've I've never heard it so simplified but it makes so much sense you have to kind of think on the thought and just be there be present and you already have two people who kind of want to already drive the scene even though you may seem like you're lacking confidence you already have a direction in the scene that you're willing to go in as opposed to trying to discover what direction to go in, in that scene. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. It's it's a very, yeah, it's daunting, especially when you have a lot of jargon that you have to get through.
1: Lots but of jargon. And, and and these are the things that you only learn on set, kind of. You, like, you learn, like, by doing, you know? Like, like it's not, it's, it's something that, sure, yeah. can be taught in a, in a class, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's, like, there's nothing, there's, there's no greater teacher than the showrunner being, like, please be better thanks like you know because it's like it's stakes are high because it's like dude we have millions of dollars in the show like we need to get let's go like what are you doing you know um and so there's no time to really like question it on the day on the moment like it's just about like trusting it and i would always get the note uh remove the air or like tighten it up please you know and i i'm like my dumb brain would always think tightening up means uh talking faster. I was like, oh, yeah. but I, I swear I was like talking pretty fast. Like, what do you mean, tighten it up? i will talk faster. Oh, okay, and then I'll talk really fast, and be like, no, 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 no. no. We want like just tighten up like the air between, you know, between dialogue.
0: I like, like to think I've <laughs> aspect of what it's like when your character has a rhythm, and then the show has a tempo. So then it's finding that sweet right. spot of knowing how to match the tempo of the show by still being true to your characters' rhythm. And it's like, it, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. How long did that you know, take you on take two? But... Um, luckily, I, I'd like to say that I faked it the first few episodes and then it started to make <laughs> sense where, yeah, where it's like, I'm, I'm thankful that I got to see like the, the dailies every now and then. And I'm like, Hmm, it looks like I'm rushing. Mm, why am I talking so fast? Or then I'll, on the other end of it, where it's like, mmm, I didn't like that beat. Why did I take that beat? What am I trying to prove here? Who's this character? This is this is not what they want. So then, yeah, that was that's my reality of it. Is like I I faked it at first, but then yeah. luckily the editors were amazing and still made it all work. But yeah, it's it's about just being on set and learning from it and and trial by fire, as you said, where. I think that was also a very crucial thing, was being able to be self-critical in that instant as well, as opposed to either just being completely self-deprecating where I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough for this, or thinking that I'm the hottest shit there just because I have this opportunity. So being able to find that balance and know that there's still room to grow and there is something to learn from a moment, even if I think there's nothing to learn from it. taking my time and just...
1: Well, it's also yeah. it's also just the I think uh, I was so eager to, to know my character. Like I did a lot of prep before like episode one, right? And it was like I put yeah. so much pressure on myself to get the character one hundred percent right in the pilot. And realizing that like actually no, the, the like the experience normally for most actors, most series regulars on shows is like they they probably kind of hit the sweet spot of like knowing who their character is like episode one five. You know, like there's certain things that kind of come easier to you as you go on, as the season progresses. Like nobody has their shit figured out to begin with, you know? Like, And I think I was putting so much pressure on myself to like nail every sort of like, or at least be comfortable with the choices that I made for the character. Hmm. And then realizing that, oh, okay, maybe the showrunner has it sort of different, they view it differently. But that's okay, because... The point okay. is to communicate and figure that out as you go on. Um,
0: yeah. You know. Not. Um, hold on one second. Yeah. Um, my box is beeping. Your box is beeping. <laughs> oh, shit. That's okay. So what are you saying about San Diego? You are going to be in San Diego? I was
1: going to be in San Diego before the whole Omicron thing, um, doing a workshop of a musical. Omicron?
0: Oh, right?
1: That's how you say it? Have I been saying it wrong? Omicron? Oh, I don't know. Omicron? 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 I don't know. For me, Micron is my Micro. Yes, microscope. Micron. <laughs> but yeah, I was supposed to be there at the La, um, la Yola Playhouse. Is what the theater companies call there? La Yola? La Yola, yeah. L A J O L L A. Oh, La
0: Jolla. <laughs> Have I been la saying Jolla. it wrong?
1: La Jolla. La Jolla. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm the lead in this play at the Lajola. The Lajola? <laughs> it's all good. Thank God I didn't it's say Lajola. I said
1: lo,
0: lo, lo, lo. <laughs> You said Loyola. Loyola. So you, you, you're almost there. You're almost there. No, it's good. Don't <laughs> worry. Sing, California has a lot of funny names here. Gonna, you'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I was at the
0: Lajola playhouse. No. <laughs> but wait, what happened? So you were supposed to be a part of this play?
1: I was supposed to be part of the, uh, the workshop, couldn't get a visa in time. Couldn't get a visa in time, because, the, and then with the restrictions, the travel restrictions and all that stuff, it was, um... Why do you need a were, visa for a workshop? workshop?
0: Can't you just come... Very good of-
1: question, because, because uh, it's a paid workshop, and, and they were only willing to, um, go with American citizens. <clears throat> and, gotcha. but, uh, the, the director, is a Canadian director, who, who, he knows me, and, um, and so he was trying to fight for me to participate, but they're like, yeah, that's why we can Yeah. The whole visa thing is the base yes. of my existence
0: right now. But. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Right now, my plan is just to be able to say that I'm local enough, even though I don't have my visa, if an opportunity comes along, and just pray for the best. Other than that, be back in Canada when it warms up, and then try it all again next year. <laughs>
1: What are you, are you spending time, like, uh, where are you going to be most of, like, this season rally from January to, like, April
0: or whatever? Are you Are just going to be... Mm-hmm. Like, January probably to, like, April, yeah, in California. Don't know yeah. where. Um, yeah. Probably check out some RV parks. All right. And just post up there for the meantime. But, like, everything's yeah. shutting down, apparently. And it's going to be shutting down for a few weeks, at least. What's shutting, what's shutting down? shutting of... Productions, because of, well, productions, oh, like yeah. that's, that's the word word on the great plan because of how many people are testing positive.
1: So, yeah, I was supposed to shoot uh, something in March uh, for Motherland, the show that I was on last season, just like for the last few episodes, and that was supposed to shoot at the beginning of March. It's now pushed to April. So yeah, you're right, it's everything's been done.
0: Damn. And then even in, in Toronto, like the... My manager was like, "Yeah, production had like seventeen positive cases on it, so you know, crazy." Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I also wanted to bring up um, Mom versus Machine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm. I'm. That got picked up. Um, for the festival run and everything.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there's still more more announcements to come with that.
0: Tell us. But, uh, tell,
1: tell tell you, us tell, more, you tell us about now. it. So yeah. um. Part of um, you know I, I like I love storytelling and stuff and of course my, the next goal in my career is to become a multi-happened like producer as well and, and I'm slowly doing that on a smaller scale level of course right now but eventually I want to get to the point where <clears throat> where I'm famous enough where I can just walk into a room and they can say here's a bunch of money go make your shit but <clears throat> that's uh, not in my control necessarily but um, but in the meantime I'll keep just making stuff. Um, <laughs>
0: So then is the goal then to be a writer or just focusing on producing?
1: <clears throat> Not necessarily writer. Like I would say, uh, like, like, a, like a Jason Bateman, <clears throat> like he, like Ozark, right? Like, so he's the executive producer of that show. He's a lead actor. Uh, he doesn't write the scripts, but he, he certainly directs a few episodes. He directs as well. So I, I think, uh, and what's cool is on that I've been shadowing like all the directors and all the blocks as well. And, uh, it's such a competitive business. It's so competitive to to get a directing gig as just a person that's trying to be a director, but as an actor, and especially as like a regular, like even on take two, like I'm sure if it continued at a certain point, like you could have gotten a shot to direct as well is what I'm finding. Like actors, we jump right in front of the queue, you know, um, if we earn that trust. And so part of my year, my plan for this year is to direct more shorts and stuff like that. So that I have a directing reel of some kind so that, if we get like season two or season three of the show, uh, I've expressed enough interest to them, and they've seen me on set shadowing stuff to the point where I can get it written on my contract, where I can get to direct like an episode, maybe you know, stuff like that. I, I, I'm definitely interested in that. I so think, you um,
0: directed um, Mom versus Machine as well, or
1: co-directed, I co-directed, co-wrote, um, and then co-produced, and then starred in it as well. I so was one of the actors in it. Um, my uh, creative collaborator, Tesco Gudikonda, slash roommate as well in Vancouver. He's a brilliant writer, director, and producer as well. And so um, the Crazy AIDS competition is like a giant festival in Vancouver. And pre pandemic, uh, the, the screening of the festival uh, would get thousands of like producers from all over BC and stuff like that. And so it's very much a festival. It's, it's a ground uh, for a lot of up and coming directors. So, like the directors that direct us on episodic television now in BC, a lot of them actually got their start doing short films of crazy eights. You know, like, they're like crazy eights alumni. And so it is a very like, it's a pretty important festival because it's a breeding ground for a lot. And, um, and so <clears throat> out of 200 submissions, you pitch like a 10 minute short film idea. And they whittle down those 200 submissions into six. Uh, and so those six people get to essentially get a full union crew, full uh, union uh, film equipment, all for free. Um, and then everybody volunteers their services, including the actors, because the UBCP Actra has an agreement with Crazy Eights, being like actors' who work for free on these short films. And so you essentially get what you're effectively like a ninety thousand dollar like short film budget to like go make it for free, essentially, if you make it to the top six. And so that's what we got. So, <clears throat> so we pitched an idea. It's based on a semi true story. Um, I got my mom a roti matic, which is like an automatic roti making machine um she makes amazing rotis but i was just like i was like i was make her life a little easier you know it's like it's it's in and out and it's quick and it's like it makes a bunch of rotis, like it makes like really good quality rotis and it's so cool too it's got like it's got a not not ai but it's got like an algorithm in there where it like literally like it self-correct itself and makes better rotis each time and it sends data to houston. it sends data to houston texas which is headquarters of the company in real time and they like analyze the thickness, the oil, the water ratio of the roti, and they like send back data, and then and they can actually fix things remotely. Uh, the software Stop remotely it. to make better Oh, dude, it's a thousand dollars on Amazon. You can go get it right now if you want. Um, <clears throat> it's there. It's a it's a thing. Um, what? And so and I and I still use it.
0: I had like, no I, idea I it was like, that high tech. Like,
1: oh yeah. Oh, it that's what makes me laugh about it, and I think that's what inspired the idea because I was just like, this is hilarious because it's like this thing exists and. My mom, instead of reacting, like, in a positive way to it, being like, oh, like, thank you for the gift, she was just like, you know, what what do you you think you're doing, motherfucker? Like, you're going to replace me? Like, like, you know, and I think that was, like, boom, like, light bulb, you know, where I was just, like, to an Indian mother, she expresses love. Any mom, really. I'm just Indian, but, like, they express love through food, you know? Like, when their son comes home, they cook, Mm. like, a home-cooked meal, and, like, and my mom's, on top of that, she's a foodie and she's, she's a really passionate, like, she loves cooking on top of all of that stuff. So it's, like, for me, like, there's not, we don't really exchange I love yous in my house. But, like, the way my mom expresses love to me is, like, by, like, making my favorite dishes or, like, making something new and, like, and being, like, hey, do you want to try this? Let's experiment or, like, try this new sort of vegan dish that I made or whatever. And and so that's how she expresses love. And and so it got me thinking, like, what if I replaced my mother with a machine? And, like, how would she feel about it? And, like... Imagining a scene where she like came downstairs and it was me, my dad, my sister, and the machine, just like having a great time, just like eating food like on a dining <laughs> table. And, like, oh, what would she think? And then it got me thinking about like a machine uprising and like a bunch of moms that have been through the same thing, and it's and then became like the mom versus machine idea, and um, and so yeah, it's about it's about um, an Indian mother who has to battle a sentient Indian food making robot, essentially for the affection of her son, and I play the spoiled son who lives in. In his basement, it lives in his mom's basement, and just treats her like shit. And he gets he gives her this Indian food making uh, machine as a gift, so that she can stay the fuck away from him. So he can be like, here, hmm. here's the machine. This machine will cook me food. You don't have to like make sure I'm fed anymore. You can just do your own thing. I'll do my own thing. And so I just got to have fun and play like a really bratty. He's a grown ass man, but I played him like a thirteen year old teenager. Um That's you know. And so, um, but our mom, the brilliant she's a brilliant actress, her name is Nimette Kanji. She's, a, she's an incredible South Asian actress uh, based in Vancouver. and um, she killed it. like she's the one that carries the movie, she's the lead. And um, <clears throat> so yeah, she she did such a good job and um, unfortunately because of the pandemic, we weren't able to see the Crazy eights in person because it was all done online. Uh, so it premiered at the Whistler Film Festival. In December, and that was the first time I got to see it with an audience, like in mm. like in a packed like sort of theater, and so that was yeah. really really cool. Um, you know, getting um, getting get to see them laugh at the jokes that we wanted them to laugh at, and like, um, it's not for everyone. It's a very like it, it's a very specific sort of vision. It's I, I it's very much like a Pixar short come to life is how mm. we imagined it. You know, I'm I always love like nice. those those shorts. Those pixar films and i was just like i just want to make yeah. like a pixar animated short but like uh, like a real life one and um and i'll, I'll definitely send it to you because i realized you haven't seen it and i haven't sent it to you so i will send that
0: yeah. to you so yeah. then does that mean like because of the pandemic it like crazy eights didn't get a hold of it or did that go no. online
1: it, crazy eights basically did like an online event so it, hmm. so but, like so it screened all the, the six films but like there was no audience reaction so it just, it just played and so i was just watching it from my room hmm. like it kind of sucked that way you know and um,
0: how do you how do you feel though it, it did and and if it left an impact because you said that a lot of producers and directors would go to this event and see <laughs> it so do you think it was still received in the way that you would have wanted it
1: i i i think so i, I think that's one thing the drawback for the 2021 cohort of crazy eights i would say that one thing that we all lost out on the top six teams was that experience of like because and i remember mm-hmm. i have been to the one in 2019 i've been to the one in 2018 and like you're literally like the top six people are treated like rock stars because the theater is like packed it's at the Orpheum wow. in vancouver and it's like thousands of people in the theater and it's, it's on a giant yeah. screen and like producers tv producers film producers like Everybody comes and wants to mingle with like the people, the actors that were in the short films, the producers, the directors that were in the short film, the DPs that shot them. And so you do get a lot of opportunities out of it you know, where it's like, hey, I want to work with you some time, here's my card or whatever, Like, and you know. So we did miss yeah. out on that a little bit. Uh, part of why I was able to get some, luckily I got some time off from shooting to go to Whistler uh, to represent the short film. And uh, so I got to do a lot of that there because there was people in the audience that watched it there. and set up meetings and stuff, but I don't know, I'm also my own worst critic and so it's one of those things where crazy eights means you have eight days to make it from start to finish. So you have a month of pre-production mm-hmm. but then you have eight days, you have three days of photography and then you got like five days of post and that's it.
0: And of course. Oh wow, okay.
1: You're making a short film, a $50,000 short film in three days and uh, we bit off more than we could chew a little bit. Like the scope of the short was so big on paper that you inevitably run into technical difficulties and then you fall behind on your days. And and then eventually hmm. you have to start cutting things. And <clears throat> what I what 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 was supposed to be this incredible matrix style action sequence in the third act. Still was like a fight scene, but it ended up being more because we didn't have we just didn't have time to shoot it like we wanted to. We had to like pivot and make it more horror esque. As opposed to like action packed, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> things like that. When I watch the thing, you know, some, and then sometimes I watch my performance, and I'm just like, "You're being way too big right now. Like, calm down." You know, so like I, I my experience with the sh- with the movie, I and I, and I, and of course like watching it and directing it and being with it for so long, you lose sight of what makes it special. You know, because like you're just you're always mm. <laughs> constantly watching it, and so
0: yeah,
1: I can't watch it as an outsider anymore. Like I am too like in it now. And so it's going to take somebody like you yeah. or like, uh, somebody who hasn't seen it. And, and that always happens. Like people that see it always like message me back and are always like impacted by it somehow. Cause they're just like, this is so cool. You know? And then I, I feel touched by it mm. um, because all I see are the flaws in it, <laughs> you know, but that's natural yeah. because yeah. You know, I've been, I've been editing it for since day one. So, um, <clears throat> but the key for me is I want to see, somebody like my mom being the badass lead of, like, a science fiction movie, you know? Hmm. Like, the impetus for all this stuff is to, like, put our characters in genres that we don't often see them in, you know? Like, sure, there's a lot yeah. of people on Color on Star Trek Discovery, like, in Toronto and stuff. Like, like there are things that exist, but, like, you know, like, I, like I want, down, I still no, want, like,
0: because that's right. just, like, it's, 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 it's fake diversity in my eyes, where when you put somebody in a, in a full prosthetic costume, it's, like, and it doesn't count for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: it doesn't count. Yo, know, you're you're totally right. Yeah. But like an original sci-fi story, you know, like or or yeah. You know, we talk about that movie like Alien or whatever. But, like, but imagine Sigourney Weaver wasn't Sigourney Weaver; it was um like a, a brown lead. You know, it'd be so cool. To, like just yeah. the you know the mindset shift because we often see our stories oh. um in very sort of like I don't know traumatic traumatic arenas. Like it's about if you're like a lead of a, if you're like a brown lead of something, it's like about a guy who wears a turban and now he has to like cut his hair. Away. The trauma of that or like, you know, yeah. some, some kid, some Muslim kid being bullied at school. It's his journey of like post 9-11. Yeah. It's like, I just want, I just want us to like hold guns and shoot aliens sometimes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and, like, and that does actually Telling
0: him a story that you've heard. And cause it's, it's funny. Um, there's a, a show, a Korean drama on Netflix called Arthville Chronicles. And it's essentially a story of like cavemen, but because it's a K drama, they're Korean and they're they're speaking like Korean, and it right. blew my mind to think that yeah, of course there would be cavemen in Korea because
1: yeah
0: they're not you know what I mean and it's like they're it, still human was, they're still like one, one of those <clears throat> yeah right so it was it was really interesting it's like why why can't not why can't they also have this story but it's like yeah they also have an origin story and it's told in their tongue where all I know of caveman stories are typically in a terrible English accent and it's like yeah. but it's English nonetheless yeah. so no I, yeah. I totally get that
1: no it was and I and I now, with
0: yeah. with what you were saying then because you feel that you're so invested moving forward would you again put on that many hats when you're putting together a project or would you sacrifice at least one of those hats like the director hat or maybe give up the actor hat and give it to somebody else
1: yeah i, I think I, I right now i'm not interested in giving up the actor hat i think um if anything i'm going to make uh, i definitely still want to act in it because why not because it gives me the excuse to you know write roles for myself you know why not
0: it's why, um, it's why you you came into this industry yeah
1: Exactly. I mean, of course, there's ideas that I think about where I'm just like, yeah, I don't. I'm not interested in acting. You know, like, I would like to direct it, of course. Um, but yeah, that, that was too many hats. That was a lot of hats because you can't be the actor in front of the camera and at the same time tell the director that he's taking too long. <laughs> like, like it yeah. doesn't work. Like, <laughs> there's arguments that happen because of that. So, because I, at the same time I was the producer, so I was just like, dude, hurry up! And it's just like, can you focus on your performance, please? You know. So it was like, hmm. um. That that screwed with me. So maybe not producer or actor. I think I think there's something in directing and acting you could do that like that. That's more, um, uh, you know, symbiotic. But being a producer and being an actor at the same time is a bit weird sometimes because it's just like you know, as a producer, you're dealing with like the budgets and you're dealing with, like getting things done on time. You're dealing with like certain things and supporting the director's vision, and at the same time being the guy in front of the camera where the director's telling you what to do is a weird kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm torn about that question, man. That's, I Actually, my answer to your question is I don't know. I think I, think, uh, I love everything too much. Like, I love all of it. Mm. And uh, part of my journey going forward will be to recognize, like, what my strengths are and then doubling down on those, I think. Um, because I, I wouldn't say I'm confident as, like, a director necessarily. Like, I think my skill set, even from my engineering background, I have the project management skill set. So naturally, I have produ- producing, like I have a producing skill yeah. set already on a baseline level, which helps me planning, you know, project management, essentially, like a, like a movie or a TV show or a short story. And so I think right now, producing and acting is my way to go. Um, even like I'm developing like a couple of TV shows right now uh, with my with, with Tesh and... Um, <clears throat> Realizing that, like you know, even my agency and I, I'm, maybe even yours, I'm not sure, but like I'm like my agency has like a like a literary arm, so they represent like a bunch of better directors, and and what they've been telling me too is, and it's an interesting thing where it's just like, hey, like you have us too, which means that you know, like yeah, you're a series regular now on this show, but going forward now, look, think of like five ideas where you're the lead, you know, and produce the pitch deck for it, produce the pilots for it, like like be, become the creative producer for your own ideas where you're the lead, you're the main dude. Think of five of those. Yeah. Bring them to us and then we'll go through all five of them and be like, this sucks, this sucks, this actually has legs, this actually has legs, you know, this sucks. And then because of our resources because they're an agency and they have connections to like all the major studios and everything like that, like we can package you yeah. and we can package that and you can go do that and then and then you could be that Jason Bateman type where like you get to, if one of them takes off then you yeah. get to be the producer, the lead actor, you know, um, so that's the path like that's my next step and it's scary as hell because I don't nice. know what the fuck I'm doing but like yeah. that's the that's the next step because I, I just there's something about just being an actor for hire for the rest of my life that I can't just get behind I think I, the way the only way yeah. it makes sense to me is if I treat the acting acting things as a bonus like whenever I book a role through auditioning that's just like a bonus bucket in my life that I get to go on like a free vacation you know but like depending yeah. on yeah. that depending on it as if it's gonna be my career is really scary and stressful. And I enjoy Mm -hmm. what I do when I'm on set, like I don't complain about it, I I don't feel the pressure of that because I I genuinely am happy doing it. But I think ultimately for me, like getting the next series lead in something else is something that like I just treat like a bonus and everything else I want under my control. And um, and if I get it, great, I get to go on a vacation to shoot the thing. then come back to my regular life yeah and i don't know about you like i don't know what your philosophy is like but like that's how it it helps me a a little bit because
0: yeah yeah yep no i echo that too it's like i i i dread just that just being an actor for hire yeah and i wholeheartedly cling on to the reality of us just being contract players yeah where as soon as what you're working on is done who knows what's going to happen yeah so it's it's all about being able to utilize that downtime to create something new hopefully create something that sticks and to be able to show my art in another light versus just being a vessel for somebody else's art which is great and I love doing it but sure, I feel yeah. like I got I got more to give this industry in regards to entertainment totally. value
1: yeah no and, and i mean you know you've worked with people like that Like you've worked with joe coy you've worked with you know like like he's a good example of it yeah sure he's not like a classically trained actor by any means but like people in that <clears> cast <throat> like I, I was actually looking up all of them um, a few months ago and like eva noble Noble's like she's a broadway star but not only that like she, you know yeah. she's doing a bunch yeah. of other creatures. Joe Joe of course is static comedian uh, author uh, now actor as well uh, as ali as well like mm-hmm. he, he, you know him too like he'd like literally like he write he has podcasts he has like like he, essentially all these people have their own creations and IPs that they have in addition to yeah. being actors and i think that's just the reality of what this industry is going towards now like you have to be a multi-hyphenate sort of business person i guess yeah
0: it's like and I've, I've I think we've also had this conversation but I know I've had this conversation many a times with other artists in the industry where it's like it's it's always been a triple threat um, yeah. industry where you couldn't just do one thing if you did you burned out and so it's like back in the day it was your actors your actors were also singers and dancers. Um, and then in today's world it's your actor director producer or actor writer director but there's always been like that triple threat that helped keep an artist within the industry and not to say like if you just want to do acting great but then the actors that branch off outside of acting and doing other endeavors whether it be philanthropic or you know to start their own business that's what sustains them, but then it's like yeah. that's their other avenues. But just to be an actor for hire, I think is a very dangerous route.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and it's funny because that's what you initially can only think of, right? When you're starting off, it's just like I just want to book that role and I want to do this and I'm going to, you know, like, I kind of want to impress this casting director. But that that journey will never stop. Like that'll keep going. Like you're not gonna know every casting director in town. You're not gonna know every producer in town where that process just stops being a thing. Like that'll be a lifelong yeah. journey. And so you might as well treat it yeah. like a, like a, it's just like, it's its own thing. And every now, every now and then again, again, you get you call to it. It's like, okay, cool. I get to go do this thing and come back. But, um, it's my last week of shooting. So that's, that's what this week, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm just focusing on having a good time every day on set, just like really cherishing the last week. Cause you never know when it's going to come again, you know? So, so I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to make sure that's my, that's my mental mantra for this week is just, uh, just enjoy. No, enjoy it's fair.
0: It. And and it kind of sounds like I can I can lead into this question in a different light where the question that I hated um, <clears throat> a few years ago, I, I still – I don't hate it as much today because I know how to answer it now as me. Yeah. But like back in the day, I used to hate when I'm on a project and I'm doing press for it and then they're like, so what's next? <laughs> so with that, I'll, I'll – mention like why i say that now but then i'll let me let me bounce that to you right now so so what's next for for praneet
1: what's next is um so we i mean we kind of touched on this i'm 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 constantly developing you know whether it's a short film whether it's a a tv series that i want to put into development i'm constantly sort of writing and and developing always don't have anything concrete to announce yet regarding that so that's what i'm going to keep kind of doing um, I am going back for season three of Motherland. Um, shooting the last few episodes of the season. Uh, this is going to be the final season of the show. Um, and so it's going to be the, mm-hmm. the final goodbye to it, I guess, as well. So that I'll shoot in sometime in March. And then, yeah, auditioning for the next thing. You know, it's it's a different experience being an option because you're you, you don't have mm-hmm. as many uh, as flexible you can to do everything. And so, um, for the first time in my life, it's going to be interesting to, to not have as many auditions because it's just going to be like, okay, great. And then it's going to be about me trying to control my FOMO as a result. Uh, yeah. You know, because I'm greedy and I want everything, of course. And uh, <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, no, apart, apart from that, nothing much. I mean, I, there's some couple of theater stuff that I'm still thinking about doing, um, but it entirely depends on if we get a season two because if we get a season two, then I can't do the theater thing.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I also gotta say that I love that about you is your love for theater and and your eagerness to go back to it and it's like the you're you're just ready to say yes to theater over you know other opportunities and I think that's like it's exciting.
1: (laughs) My agents kill me. Will will destroy me. Will hate me for it. But um, but yeah, like like next year I'm going on like there's a potential world tour from January till July and I want to do it but you know
0: of course everybody um, else in my life's do you know what you'd be performing
1: yeah so it's for I think we talked about this it was um uh, it's for a show called Mahabharata Mahabharata mm. is one of uh, Hindu mythology's greatest epics it's like our Lord of yeah. Rings um, and um, this and Hindu scholars would hate that I just simplified it that way i literally just call the word god is literally like dying right now he, like he's <laughs> uh,
0: no, but, uh, but like with respect but, to that like i gotta say like hinduism is the most exciting out of all the religions
1: oh yeah, if yeah
0: you want action if you want <clears throat> drama you go to that like the passion of the christ okay mel gibson that was great and all uh the old testament like Boring, the like, it's on. You know what's happened. epic about the
1: Bhagavad Gita? What's epic about Bhagavad Gita is the holy book of Hinduism is a chapter in Mahabharata. It's a chapter of Mahabharata. The holy book of Hinduism is a, is a chapter in that story. That's how epic the story is. It's a multi generational
0: that's like, like, you you think Greek gods you hear you they have the rap of them doing what they do. Yeah. But then it's like you have like I didn't know, like um I wanna say it's 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 Vishnu, Vishnu? yeah. Who's the one with all the arms? Yeah,
1: oh yeah. So they all have multiple arms, but yeah, Vishnu's Vishnu's the main dude. Um
0: But he's like he's he's vicious, <coughs> oh, yeah. man. Like he's He's what I think of when when the Catholics say to fear a oh, God, yeah. where it's like I don't I don't fear this one God. No, I fear the Indian God. Like, did you see? Have they seen the Indian God of
1: Death? The Hindu God of Death, because that's that like. So there's like Brahma who's the creator, Vishnu is the preserver, and then Shiva is the Lord of Death, and uh, mm-hmm. the triumvirate the three. And um, and I get to play in the show. I get to play uh, reincarnation of Vishnu. Uh, is who I'm That's playing. So cool. Um so it'd be like for Lord of the Rings vision now does it be like Gandalf a lot. That, that kind of person. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like he comes comes in and rescues like he comes in last minute and does shit does
0: You're shit you're set him. on this on on this analogy of this is Lord of the it's Rings. It's the thing. only way
1: I can explain
0: this <laughs> to the people.
1: Uh no it's it's uh, Is it is it to high the high point, high
0: high point high where, high. where you also see Peter Jackson directing it?
1: I mean, if Peter Jackson was directing it, I'm literally saying no to film and no. television for the rest of my life. and only doing this in every single <laughs> world, tour, world tour possible. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's a five-hour show. It's a five-hour show. That's and crazy. so we're going to be doing it in parts, part one, part two. Um, world tour. Let's start off in Canada, then go to London. Um, but again, it's uh, whether I can do it or not is up for debate. We'll see. I think... Um, hmm. It's it's a it's something that I'm thinking about, but at the same time, it also has to work out with the schedule and everything. And
0: uh, yeah. well, in fairness, throw it my way because I think I can still play a pretty convincing Indian. So, um, <clears yeah. throat>
1: well, I mean, <laughs> I will, uh, I will. If they ever need just
0: um, just drop it in, just suggest it. You know, it works.
1: Yes, yeah. I'll say you. He I, almost. I'll say he almost, almost played an Indian. Sharpie. I'll say he almost played Indian. <laughs>
0: Done. That's I'm Done. I'm happy with that I'm happy with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I will say though, like if you were like people could easily um make you out to be like Nepali. Oh yeah. You look like but you. Then it's you like,
0: like now now that's the whole Nepal. conversation in regards to diversity that. Yeah, but I no. would still have loved to get an audition for Aladdin. So that's also where yeah. I sit in this industry.
1: Well, I mean, they always do auditions for the Broadway. You should audition.
0: <clears throat> always uh, always always just at least submit i should at least submit i should just should stop submit, thinking that they're
1: you know it's so funny i never had an agent or anything like that when the movie was auditioning for the leads like they like a lad in the movie and um mm. it's one of my regrets so my one of my regrets but hindsight you know mm. i didn't even know that i wanted to be an actor
0: until yeah time. you know
1: I submitted. I submitted to the open call but I'm thinking now I'm like if I like had like what I have now in my resume and like I submitted it by my agents and then I auditioned I would've had a way so better. So
0: what I'm hearing is that Nexus event that happened to you that made you want to be an actor was you saw Aladdin and you said that should have been me. That was Basically. this is this is your I have FOMO. Me. I looked it. at
1: Mina Mussu and I said I said, Mina, I love you but come on man. No, I'm kidding.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> was, um, your your objective <laughs> is to get re, to get him recast in the third one.
1: <laughs> My objective is to go back in time, recast up with the lead and then change the whole narrative. Nice. Um,
0: so that's where the engineering say, though, comes in. I will
1: say though, the engineering comes in on building the time machine part, of course. Yeah. Yep. Duh. Um, uh, I will say though, Tila Dutta, Dutta, um Tila is a casting director in Vancouver. Ex casting director in Vancouver. She used to work for Sean and JJ's office. She was my high school friend, and um, hmm. she was the she. I, I consider her like my fairy godmother of Vancouver, actually, because she's the reason I moved there. Uh, because I was doing just theater, as you said, and she was the one that actually forwarded me the audition for Aladdin. She was the one that forwarded me like auditions for Riverdale, being like, "Hey, maybe you should try her out for this part or whatever. You might be good." And me being wow. like, "Sure, I'll tape for it," but like, no idea of the convention of like what self taping was, nothing. Mm-hmm. I would like my first few self tapes was just me looking at the lens, like because I didn't know that you had to like, look off camera, um, you know. And so she was the one that actually said, like, "Hey, I know you're doing, I know you're acting in theater and stuff like that, but like, I think, I think if you get film and TV a shot here, I think you would do pretty well." And I was just like, "Yeah,
0: okay." This just makes me so curious. To I, I hope you have tapes or whatever I do film of I do. your high school performances. Yeah. I think that's I'll what needs them. to make it onto the internet.
1: <laughs> well, I also have my my really bad original first self-tapes that I did too, where I'm looking in right into the camera. So I have those as well. They're all... Uh, I,
0: I watch those to humble myself. That's what oh I my God. for.
1: I literally watched one two days ago and I was just like cringing the entire time. I was just like, thank God. Thank <laughs> God you learn as you go, because God, I mean, that was a real and it's so funny to look back on because oh, I was like, at it, like, I was so broken up about not getting that part. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why I didn't get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I was just like, How I think I they? have one
0: of those auditions. I have one of those auditions for The Hundred, season one. Yeah. And I remember I did so much for this audition. Like I smoked a cigarette. I I had a cleaver as a prop. Because I thought it would be interesting that my guy would be called away from butchering. And I was like, I, did, I should have gotten this. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's okay. Thank God. You know, we, we grew. We grew out of those spaces.
0: And we're still growing. We, I hope yeah. so. I hope so. Yeah, we'll look back. We'll look back. Uh, like,
1: we'll working looking at this year we'll be like, uh, what, the, what, are you, what are you thinking? Jeez.
0: Oh, my uh, goodness. Oh. But uh, Pranit. Hmm. Time is getting away from us, so I unfortunately yes. have to end this here. But we gotta, we, we gotta bring you back for for another episode if you oh, are free and are I, so gracious enough. Fine, okay, oh, uh, though, this is wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> just,
1: just so good catching up. And, ah. um, uh, you you're an inspiration to me as well. Like like uh, I, I I get inspired watching your work. I I think, uh, you're an incredible actor, and um, so wow. yeah, like it, it. I do I do sincerely mean that. Like I think. Part of the reason why I was able to connect with you in Vancouver too is because I respected your craft and like I respected the dedication that you have to your craft and um, and I want to surround myself with people like that, you know. So um, so yeah, I think
0: you. I think this is this is the part where I, I transfer you um, fifty dollars <laughs> was it for that? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah 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 I mean, discuss off-air. that's fine. I mean, I, I only found out I had back end now, so um, we'll, we'll figure it out.
0: Talk to my lawyers. awesome oh man thank you so much thank you thank you thank you
1: thanks bro
0: but everybody thanks for tuning in two degrees podcast brought to you by the play on foundation for neat akila check him out and everything that he's doing and if you can get a chance mom versus machine as well as sky paramount plus that's going to come out and that's exciting so other than that y'all have a great day bye bye <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lazardo. Music by Cade Cole. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Javi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast.